Begin the spooky season. In honor of Candyman, what movie character would you summon by saying their name repeatedly while looking in the mirror? I'm Katie Rich. It's absolutely not spooky season, but I would summon Cher Horowitz because she could teach me how to do my makeup. And I'm in the bathroom mirror. That's what you th- you're there for it. It's spooky season at the grocery store, to be clear. Um, I'm Matt Patches, and I'm going to go with Osmosis Jones. Osmosis Jones. Osmosis Jones. Clean my teeth. You're the only movie character I can think of who's small enough to get all the scum out of there. <laughs> hey, it's me, David the Seven, and I'm going to tempt fate and summon Godzilla. Just bring on the apocalypse. Godzilla will not fit in your bathroom. Dave. I was going to break tear your house. down your house. Imagine that manifesting, though. It'd be like we usually he comes from the ocean. I I don't know what happened this time. I guess it'd be cool is if you could ride Godzilla on his back when he comes out of the mirror after he, he breaks your house. Basically, if he's a Pokemon, uh, I'll dig it. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yes. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 362. It is pandemic 75. Should we start sure. doing quarter quells for a t- pandemic anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> Where were you 75 weeks ago? Oh, boy. I still don't know what is... I feel like I brought this up on a previous episode. When do we know if it's not a pandemic anymore? We keep, is there a certain we sort keep of like trying to set it, it and then the pandemic very clearly keeps coming back. So I feel like we need to stop trying and just we'll know. We'll know. Maybe we need yeah. like a Delta counter... Oh boy. Lambda counter. Oh no. The more wear, you talk about this, the longer this is going to last. <laughs> Pandemic so 75, Delta 6, Lambda 2. <laughs> We're writing a John Clancy novel, Tom Clancy novel, before we know it. Okay. It is uh, Wednesday, August 25th. Uh, that's the day the 1983 Nightline extended its news magazine format wow. from 30 minutes to an hour. It's important. All, a huge moment remember. for our audience. We all, we all know where we were when that <laughs> happened. Uh, we don't have David this week, so uh, someone else is going to have to tell me if I have to hear about Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes or just whatever Dave was reading in the, the pre-show where he was explaining the plot of uh, Marvel's What If and I lost track. <laughs> oh, no, that's going to be all segment for that. It'll definitely oh, be Galaxy boy. of Heroes. Yeah, let's not uh, get too far ahead of ourselves, but we do have a review this week. Oh, uh, I'll read it. I pulled it up. It's from listener Mir K. Stam. Uh, read the Green Knight discussion. No spoilers. Long-time listener, second-time reviewer. Context for this late-in-the-game, the Green Knight response, I was a few weeks behind on the pod and was on a short break from school, so I have mostly caught up. And I don't blame this person because the Green Knight is only now on VOD. And, yeah, see the Green know, Knight whenever you can see the Green Knight. It's kind of hard to keep up with these things. So these movies, these podcasts are a good backlog for when you finally catch up with the movies. Anyway, read David Ehrlich's observation, Assumption that Dev Patel is giving a similar kind of performance in The Green Knight as he did in Skins UK, despite having not seen Skins UK. (laughs) Oh, I wish David was here. (laughs) Being a baby millennial and having been a teenager in the internet age, terrible, do not recommend. With access to almost any show I wanted to see, legally or otherwise, hmm, I have, of course, seen all the Gen 1 and 2 episodes of Skins UK. So with that expertise in mind, I wanted to let you all know that before listening to this podcast while watching the Green Knight, I thought, wow, 
Galen Garwain is reminding me so much of his Skins UK character, Anwar. So congratulations. Wow. What a twist. (laughs) For his, according to me, correct assumption. Something I think Dev does flawlessly to the Green Knight and was just always pretty good at is play to the desire to prove himself while also being scared and a little apathetic because that's very much the vibe of Anwar in Skins UK. In the Green Knight, I think Patches, sorry if I'm wrong, mentioned that he reads so much younger than he is, which I think is hugely due to his ability to play that kind of insecurity, which is also very much what he is doing with Anwar. P.S. My description of Anwar from Skins UK is based on having not rewatched it a few years because the last time I tried to watch it, I was really stressed for the well-being of the literal children on screen and it made me feel old. So maybe uh-huh. grain of salt? I think that's I'm how you, right. That's how you know you're growing up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I'm right, but also I didn't look anything up before writing this. Well, mere case, damn, I think, I think that's okay. This was no, a no, very was insightful a, review. Yes. It was a great review. I'm glad David was proven right when he wasn't here to, to see it. But he does uh, I mean, listen yeah. to the episodes he's not on sometimes, so he may find this out. Yeah, we'll see. Sith Holocron. <laughs> no. <laughs> Leave us a review or Sith Holocron. <laughs> I do like that you have picked the most insane uh, name for me to be like, that can't be real every <laughs> single time. <laughs> Well, guys, I'm stealing a segment from someone I follow on Twitter named Louis Beitzman, who is a uh, film writer. Uh, he tweeted basically that I think we can all agree that of all the characters on Friends, Phoebe would not be vaccinated. And I'm not really enough of a Friends expert to determine whether or not I think he's right. Um, but I think it is interesting to discuss. And I spent a lot of time thinking about it myself <laughs> and wanted to posit it to you guys because none of us can ever know for sure because uh, I think... Maybe there will be some TV shows that are currently airing that will show characters getting vaccinated. But for the most part, we can just imagine for ourselves if these characters would choose to get vaccinated. So I wanted to ask wow. you guys, join me in playing a game of would this TV character be vaccinated? You ready? Yeah. Yes. But I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering, and maybe this is spoiling this, is there something like, what are we thinking when we think who gets vaccinated, who doesn't? Or should we just go from the gut and explain ourselves as we as we go? I think I we mean, should definitely go for the gut. What what kind of BuzzFeed quiz is this? What is it testing? I mean, I'll tell you the people who I like thought, like iconic sure. TV characters who I thought about but didn't include. Leslie Nope would obviously be vaccinated. I feel like there's no doubt about that. It's her civic duty to uh, go get vaccinated. Al Bundy would obviously not be vaccinated. I feel like there's mm. no doubt about that. So, like, you need some people who are in the middle. You need someone who's, like, is maybe cares about duties in society, but not that much, or who is a rebel, but, like, secretly has a heart of gold and would do things to sacrifice for others. You kind of got to go through it. Right. And so on that note, the show with the most uh, characters who are rebels but secretly have a heart of gold and sacrifice for others that I can think of is Lost. So I put Ooh, in Dave Kate, better kick this one off. Kate, Kate Austin from Lost. Would she be vaccinated? Kate from Kate Lost. Kate Austin from Lost now, be vaccinated. At which stage are we talking about Kate being vaccinated? Are we talking That's a about good question. pre-island Kate or post-island Kate? I because think I think a- pre-island Kate is on the run from the government and might be a little worried about getting tracked via vaccines mm. or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think that's the only thing that would keep her from getting vaccinated? I think uh- so. I think so. Well, she had, a bad ex- she had a bad experience with her mom. Last time she saw her mom was in a hospital and her mom like gave her up to the police. So maybe she just also doesn't like hospitals. But post Island Kate, uh, even though we don't actually get to know anything about her, 
uh, I think would definitely be vaccinated because that's a Kate that understands community a lot more and has spent some time raising care of a baby, raising a a boy named Aaron. Uh-huh. Uh, might and still she... be raising Aaron. We don't know. We don't know for sure. Hopefully, like everybody's involved. But I think Kate would do it um, specifically. She would change the type of, type of person that's super uh, concerned about schools, but definitely got vaccinated. Just okay. wondering how schools are handling it. Uh huh. I mean, that, I like that, this game. This is a this is a good game. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm gonna throw out the one that I tweeted about, and so I spoiled it already. But I want your opinions on it. Kenneth Parcell from Thirty Rock. I saw you tweeting about this and you were you were you were suggesting that Kenneth would not get vaccinated, right? Oh, that absolutely. You he would, would not be... get vaccinated. Well, not only he's immortal, so he doesn't well, need so th- I thought that he I thought that he would get vaccinated because he believes in NBC above all others and he'd be willing oh. to make the sacrifice for the whole. He, he also only... works in a studio. He has to go back to the office. That's I don't true. Think... If the rule was you can't come back to work at 30 Rock unless you're vaccinated, he would get I vaccinated. I actually think but... Kenneth would accidentally get vaccinated. He would be in line thinking he was there for something else and then eventually get vaccinated. <laughs> See, I don't yeah, I don't think Kenneth is stupid in that way though. I think he would do it intentionally, but I think remembering that he's immortal, I think he would not get vaccinated, but he would just not talk about it and he would uh round up the NBC page vaccine program. Maybe Kenneth gets vaccinated like eight times. He's like, <laughs> I got them all just in case. I just, you know, I figured why not? I also liked uh, someone tweeted at me that uh, Jack Donaghy got the special vaccine only for rich, rich people. Like, yeah, 5G exactly. everywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Next one to go back to friends, not Phoebe. We can leave Phoebe to oh. Twitter. Joey Tribbiani. Would he be vaccinated? Joey would not get vaccinated, but not because of defiance i think he would not get vaccinated well here's the funny thing he wouldn't thing. get around to it no no i think joey would have no, been gonna, first he would have he's been gonna be on one. set getting tested co- on co- for covid if tests he- a lot so he'd be like i don't want to get vaccinated i got all those swabs up my nose already kind of no, no he'd, he'd be like week one be like guys i got free shake shack they're just giving away <laughs> shake shack if you're vaccinated why would i not get free shake that's shack? true if he happened upon it he would get vaccinated otherwise he would never get around to it yeah, but like those early weeks where there was like bonuses, like he uh-huh. would have been right on for the bonus, like you whatever know, the bonus was. I think Joey got COVID like three times before the vaccines <laughs> came out. That also and feels real. He he feels like the guy who's the, the reason we have onset COVID testing and <laughs> protocol. Like, hey guys, I got Shake Shack, free Shake Shack. Why do you care, Joey? You got long COVID. You can't taste anything. I'm imagining an episode <laughs> of Friends in a bubble where Joey's on set in a bubble and he's like the one guy with the sniffles or something. <laughs> See, you guys are writing some excellent fan fiction here. This is what I was hoping for. All right, next one. I think this one's tricky. Stringer Bell from The Wire. Would he be vaccinated? Mm. It's complicated. I really go two ways because he's very practical. And I feel like Stringer Bell always wants to do the thing that's going to like help him achieve his goals. But also he doesn't, distra- he doesn't trust authority. And why would he? I think he would get it and not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a level of pride. That he that disclosing his vaccination status would not would and it would it, maybe it would give him an advantage of everybody else to be vaccinated when nobody else is. Ooh, see, I kind of like that, but I also kind of want to flip it and be like Stringer would be like, no, this is part of the business. Y'all's getting vaccinated, <laughs> and then he would buy stock in like Pfizer or something and just play <laughs> play both sides. Yeah, no, playing both. Like, yeah, whatever way you can play both sides of being vaccinated, I think is what he would do. All right. I said Al Bundy was too obvious, but I have another one. Homer Simpson. Would he be vaccinated? Oh, man. How is there not a Simpsons episode already about yeah. Homer <laughs> getting vaccinated? Um, I think 
not because of it for Frank Grimes logic. I'm imagining a Frank Grimes sequel episode where Frank Grimes just wants to go back to normal. I think we're all Frank Grimes in this. Any vaccinated person who just wishes COVID would go away and we'd go mm-hmm. back to normal is Frank Grimes and everyone else is Homer Simpson. So I just have to assume that Homer is rich and dumb and he's not even rich. Middle, upper do, middle class. Do you think that Homer like would get a uh, fake vaccine card so he could go back to work at the nuclear plant? I don't think he wants to go back to work. I think he would not get <laughs> vaccinated so he doesn't have to go to work. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Like realizing that he is given the option to work remotely if he right. can't be vaccinated, he would say like for some reason he was immunocompromised and didn't get it. It would have to be mm-hmm. to like get oh, out of work. That's right. That's right. He would be immunocompromised. He would this is the um like overweight moo episode all over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he actually like tries to be so overweight that he's immunocompromised, won't go to work. He gets to work remote and he'll never get vaccinated. Wow. All right. Next one. Patches. This one's really, this one's really just for you. Jessica Fletcher of murder. She wrote. Oh my God. Vaccinated. She got vaccinated in January. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) There's no better outstanding. Well, she's, well, at this point, uh, Ed- Angela Lansbury is 90 something years old. <laughs> so if it was present day, Jessica, she would. But I, even, you know, after Frank passed away, I think she she's also a school teacher. She really cares about uh, community, uh, Cabot Cove being really close. I'm sure Cabot Cove actually is a is kind of blowing up the the Cabot Cove community, Massachusetts, rich uh, above it all. They're probably not getting vaccinated. She, she would feel like she needs to get vaccinated to be not only an upstanding citizen, she's old, she's worried, but she, she needs to set an example. She's always looking to do the righteous thing. And, I, and she's mm. always clear-minded in that way. She would definitely get vaccinated. I mean, I yes and all of that. I can't, but then but... she would also solve the murder of someone who died of getting vaccinated to prove that it wasn't really the vaccine. It was another oh, thing. Yeah. People tricking Ooh, them. I like that. Fletcher VQ. All right. <laughs> Uh, this one, I feel like, is more even better now that we learned from The New Yorker that uh, the season three of Succession will not acknowledge that COVID exists. Connor Roy, the uh, weirdo Arizona living uh, Roy child on Succession, would he be vaccinated? No, I think, isn't I, he I think, MAGA I think head? absolutely not. I thought yeah. he, his whole trajectory is kind of like libertarian. Yeah. Weird I think, guy. I think he may legitimately think that you get 5G if you get the vaccine. Yeah, it's something like that. Or oh, And also, like, is able to be distanced enough for many consequences. Why would he at this point? I think. Uh, but also, he's very rich, so he can get access to all the good stuff. So would he be mad if, like, all the rich people are getting the fancy vaccines? No, not- I think he's rich and can live a solitary life without feeling like. Yeah, he's the governor Abbott, where he's like, "I'm gonna get it, and I'm gonna get the rich stuff to make me live, and then fuck it, fuck everyone else." Yeah. Uh, all right, Jim from the office. Would he be vaccinated? Scranton, Pennsylvania. It is interesting they're from Scranton. And, I, mean, I mean, a slightly more liberal area of middle Pennsylvania, I suppose. Um, Jim, is, it Jim, is Jim from Pennsylvania? Do we know? I think is so. Is he a native Scrantonian? It feels like he never got far. Yeah. What's his deal? Not, not that I'm, I, there's no problem with people who stick around their I, think, I just feel like I don't really get Jim's trajectory. He seems like someone who would have left Pennsylvania. Anyway, I think he was I think he was probably hesitant, but at this point has come around and gotten it just because he's he's sick of justifying himself. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like that natural hesitation you have against like 
vaccines or inoculations when you like have a child. I don't feel like Jim ever matures out of that mindset. So I think he would be very afraid about putting things in his and his family's body. And he'd want to see like some proof. He'd be like one of those wait for the FDA people, but didn't actually wait for the FDA just because everyone's like, Jim, man, like, don't you want your kids to go to school in the fall and shit? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I think Jim and Pam both got vaccinated. They went back to work. And then on the day one of reopening the office, um, Dwight comes in and goes, (laughs) and then Jim makes his Jim face. Dwight definitely did get vaccinated. I feel certain about that. I mean, I feel no. comfortable with that too. He he has a he has some sort of alternative medicine involving like stromboli or something. I don't know. He's like, you've never heard of a beet infected with COVID, have you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I have a weird one. Uh, just to try not to end it with all white guys, Sue Sylvester from Glee, the Jane Lynch character who's mean to everybody and thinks she knows better. Would she get vaccinated, even though she's she in a public school? Might have to get vaccinated, right? Hopefully. She? Would she fake? Remember, everyone can fake these vaccine cards. Who can fake a vaccine card? Don't say that. No one can fax- fake a vaccine card. All right. I, like I shouldn't, okay. I shouldn't I like... spread bad information on a podcast. I Don't fake like a that. vaccine card and get vaccinated. That's a very, that's a very uh, Seymour from Glee move, though. So she faked a vaccine card, but the QR code, she couldn't help herself. It's a picture of herself. <laughs> people are like, is that a real vaccine card? She's like, no, I didn't like had COVID, drank it out with whiskey, got over it, walked it off. I actually think at the end of the day that Sue Sylvester, I think all the teachers on the show want to be teachers and want to help students. Wow. Even if they're weirdos. Um, You're really seeing the good in everybody. So I think she is. And I like Sue Sylvester of all Glee characters. I feel like she did get it for the kids. Okay. All right. Last one. Going back to a rich family one less time. Tobias Funke from Arrested Development. Did he get vaccinated? He blew himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I feel like he has that like weird like alternative hippie background, but also is so desperate to be accepted in the society that he would get it just so he could like move freely in the world and go to auditions. I think he went out to get the vaccination and also like maybe one of our other fictional characters did thought he'd get all of them, but mm-hmm. just came back with collagen in both of his upper arms because <laughs> he just got shots. <laughs> Yeah, he's the one who does it by accident, not Kenneth. I think, uh, yeah, Tobias comes back with something. Uh, I think I think someone tells him to get vaxxed and he buys like a vacuum cleaner and something and like <laughs> accidentally pleasures himself with it. Well, Hello. Guys, that was our round of would this character be vaxxed? <laughs> we might do this the next week. Good God. <laughs> so many more characters. Marvel has another streaming show that's currently running on Disney Plus, and guess what? David Ehrlich's out, so we're gonna talk about it. <laughs> because maybe we could give it a fair shake. Uh, I have seen two episodes, Patches has seen three episodes. Katie, have you seen any episodes no but i like All the right. idea of it why yes. do you like the idea of it i don't know i always like it when like you can take a pre-existing story and kind of riff on it and like mess around with it. like i always said like i want to see like the version of harry potter movies that treat it like arthurian legend and just do weird shit with it all the time and that's kind of what what if seems to be doing yeah it's pretty why close not? that's um, what i like about wandavision 
Yeah, I mean, if you thought WandaVision was out there, then What If is definitely out there in terms of uh, recognizable characters being ported to uh, weirder places. Uh, the, uh, the nice pivot point uh, that so far seems to happen with What If is much like the original comics that these are based on that would tell alternate stories to the main Marvel line. Uh, there's a choice. Most of these are uh, based around a single choice that then sends all of history spinning off, all of Marvel history spinning off in a completely different uh, direction. It is animated, which is fantastic. And I think it looks great. Patches, do you I have actually think it looks great looks? too. I, for some reason, I thought the trailers for the show kind of looked dingy or almost like motion comic-y. Um, but the animation is much more fluid. Um, it's almost Spider-Verse-esque. Uh, the way, what is, what is the term I'm looking for that they're animating on the, on the different beats there or on the different frames? How would you, I, maybe it's not exactly that, but it certainly seems to be aping that style. Yes, they've gone for a Spider-Verse thing. And instead of going for like pure um, 3D models, they've tried to make each frame sort of look like it could be a 2D image. Uh, in the ways they shade it and with there's like a black line around everything uh, regardless of what color it sort of is. So it's not straight up Spider-Man, which had like direct 2D elements over 3D elements, but it is closer in trying to like mimic that style. And I do think it's really successful, mostly because the series isn't fucking around with its lighting, uh, which is usually something that in 2D animation is sort of part of like a pre-composition or compositing stage uh, is maybe like built into the actual animation if it's part of a gag. But because it's like 3D lit in this manner, I'm really happy with the way they're using dynamic shadows and gun flashes and energy beams and Thanos' uh, deep purple skin to sort of uh, add some dynamism to this, this an- these animated stories. Um, patches of the three you've seen... Uh, I believe you've seen the episode that will be out by the time this episode releases, uh, this podcast releases. Uh, but the Stephen Strange episode, which one was your favorite? I think my favorite so far is the Captain America twist, the Captain Carter mm-hmm. episode. Um, I love First Avenger, obviously. And hopefully I've talked about that on this podcast. We've been doing it for so long. I, we, I think we reviewed First Avenger on this podcast. I'll never forget seeing uh-huh. First Avenger in theaters. Katie, did we oh, see it together? I think all four the, of us saw it together. The, the AC air- was broken. The AC, mm-hmm. air, the AC broke, yeah. My 3D Are, glasses were fogging up. Yep. Yikes. Um, yeah, simple, simple pleasure of seeing a character who's been underserved by the MCU from the very beginning and can't really catch a break, the Agent Carter show never really took off and i think uh, that's just perfect casting um Haley atwell as as captain carter and here she just we see her as this like big macho lady who gets to bust skulls uh i had a great time watching her like fight monsters from alternate dimensions and do things that only animation can do um the Gal- guardians of the galaxy one w- was fun i'm not like the biggest fan of either guardians of the galaxy or this is a bad take i guess but the black panther movie um but it was What's actually the twist cool. in the guardians of the galaxy one well the the twist is really cool i think chadwick boseman gets to do a lot more as this version of black panther I have a lot more fun with the role it's basically like he was taken as a kid instead of peter quill and t'challa 
is running with the Ravagers around the galaxy, and he has turned them into... He is just so pure and good that he has turned this uh, outfit into, like, a Robin Hooding operation, and he has also Mm -hmm. made Thanos a nice guy, uh, which I think is hilarious. Thanos is not genocidal maniac. He is uh, part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, essentially. He gets recruited for a mission in this, and they all fight the Collector. Um, which is apparently still voiced by Benicio del Toro, I think, but sounds nothing like him. And they also made him a giant beefcake as well. Lots Who of people get thought... to be beefcakes in this show. Benicio <laughs> del Toro, the weird side character, would be in Guardians of the Galaxy, this animated thing, Infinity War, and then also is like the head of a theme park attraction at Disneyland. It's like such a weird side part that I'm pretty sure if they knew he's going to be around, they would have told him to tone it down a bit. Because you're right. His collector is different every time we see him. It's so confusing. Uh, I I saw one person on Twitter at some point in these first two episodes, um, the span of time, saying that they they didn't really care for the show because they were just like, how how is this going to affect canon? Or like, it's just kind of mucking the works. It's it's getting more confusing when you start playing these games in the Marvel Universe. And I'm like... I don't know. This seems to be what the Marvel universe has afforded us some like enough mythology that you can see it totally twisted up. And, um, and the, and the, the realm of animation is the place to do it. You can take all the chances. That's how you separate it from the main series, right? You're just like, well, this is us playing that T'Challa is in the guardians of the galaxy, but we all know what the canon version is. I guess I'm wondering, Dave, as someone who is deep in the Marvel universe lore and uh, making of that sort of thing. um, I I was surprised, I guess, but maybe I shouldn't have been that all the stories are, are, they have to be twists on the movies we've seen. Um, maybe that makes them more interesting because we are very familiar with the original so that the twist is more apparent. Um, but do you think that there's room for this series to really like go into crazier territory or introduce characters we've never seen before? I don't know if we think they're just going to kind of play it safe and if that's why it's successful and I don't realize it um, or if it can get more far out somehow. Uh, I think the the what if question uh, is sort of centered around like a choice that changes what I think can we can uh, get weirder about is how different that change uh, makes everything. So like the Captain Carter one, we basically stick with it from her deciding not to go to the booth all the way through where uh, the first uh, Captain America would have gone into Avengers. It's a pretty linear story. The T'Challa one, we see him get picked up in the 80s and then we skip forward. And because of that, lots of other things have changed. Uh, Sort of like the Marvel Zombies one that's going to be coming up. You remember that thing they were trying to get from Crossbones and Lagos at the beginning of Civil War they never talked about? Well, it's like, what if somebody dropped that red vial and then we're going to skip some time and all of a sudden everybody's been turned into like zombies? Oh, wow. Okay. So I feel like the... The inf- you still need the inflection point uh, to come out of the Marvel Universe proper because I think that's kind of the premise of the show. It's just going to be interesting to see how they could stretch that into more and more outlandish things. And then I, I would think it'd be really interesting to introduce characters here. I just don't think we're necessarily going to get uh, brand new versions from What If this first season. Well, I will say about the third episode that will premiere this week on Wednesday, um, it's doing a lot of work 
to just bring the whole universe together. I mean, the pleasure of the show is, wow, Marvel has told a lot of story. And as you said, like that one scene from Civil War could be a whole episode of What If or Spawn One. Um, and that's cool because you recognize part of it and then can go completely in a different direction. And this third episode takes a lot of familiar parts. And then it's like, oh, these characters never got to be part of this continuity because this was happening in 2011. And we really only got around to introducing them later in the Marvel Cinematic Canon. This is it'll be cool to incorporate them. And also the Incredible Hulk has never been more important uh, than <laughs> in, in like both this and Shang-Chi. I guess it's like it's a comeback moment for the Incredible Hulk, the dark horse, the black sheep, I guess, of the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is it a spoiler that the Hulk is in Shang-Chi? The Hulk not, is not the in Hulk Shang-Chi. Specifically oh. is not in Shang-Chi. OK, I don't think it's a spoiler. Is this, uh, well, no, you seen... could say abominations in it because it's in the yeah, trailer. We've, we've seen abomination in the trailers. It's just like, yeah, remember this movie that is not supposed to be important that we want to forget because uh, Ed Norton's in it. Actually, we're going to make this an important thing. Was well, that where William Hurt started off in the MCU and he just keeps yeah. coming back? Yes, he Plus. does. And She-Hulk will have elements of, uh, of, of the Incredible Hulk. Everything is important. And What If is a great reminder. It's a, it's a good victory lap. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and it's a good thing to have streaming uh, until we can get Shang-Chi streaming for everybody. So what <laughs> if? Let's check it out. What if Shang-Chi if? was on Disney Premier Access? <laughs> One, two, three, four. So may we start It's time to start My time to start They hope So may we start So may we start So may we start The segment about Annette on Amazon Prime Video this is about as melodic as the songs in Manette and then Natch, you've done a good job. Uh, man, I miss the, I miss the fit war, the fit war musical. I was about to say, the, uh, Annette is probably the closest thing you will get to the, the, fit war, <laughs> the long rumored legendary fit war musical where everyone just sings what they're saying, because this is a big talk singing opera thing that leo craw has made with sparks ron and russell mail and it has been in the making for a long time i think the sparks guys wrote this script years and years ago um if you recall holy motors actually has a spark song in it i think that kylie minogue performs if i'm recalling off the top mm-hmm. of my head um so there's a strong connection between leo Kara and and the sparks guys and they have come up with this very strange romantic drama odyssey uh, that is full of weird opera moments and and screaming stand-up comedy and shipwrecks and puppet daughters and celebrity commentary and the hyperbole halftime show. And man, there's a lot of stuff 
happening in Annette, which played in theaters for a few weeks. Uh, it may still be there, but it is now on Amazon Prime, as we said. And we thought we, we better talk about this thing because I think everyone on this show loved Holy Motors. It may have been some people's number one movies of the year at the time. Again, we've been doing this a long time. But uh, Annette is a different beast. I recall talk- David did not care for this film. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I said David went to Cannes saw this highly anticipated next movie from Leo Carra and was uh, disappointed to say the least. A lot of the reviews, I think, think this movie is meandering and go no, goes nowhere. And it, as Katie has suggested, there's a, it's wall to wall music. I mean, Sparks wrote an opera and Adam driver and Marion Cotillard playing a stand-up comedian and a world famous, like soprano opera star are singing the whole time. And it does not necessarily. I don't. I don't think it's uh, earworms necessarily. But no. some of the songs I'm still singing. Uh, there's a great <laughs> number where Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard are just walking in the park in Los Angeles, singing, "We love each other so much. We love each other so much. We love each other so much." And it, they just keep saying it. Um, Let's Isn't talk it about we this. love each other? So that's like the one song I've had stuck in my that's head. And I feel true. like you just got it wrong. Mm-hmm. You I watched, watched it. it. So, is it an, so is it an earworm if you Maybe can't remember not. the tune of it like an hour later? I'm sorry. I was put on the spot. There's also it's I've been pounded away at the Annette music. There's a lot of music. Um, all of it unhummable. I'm a big musical fan. Katie, you love a good musical. I love a good musical. Dave, I don't think you really care for a musical, but uh, maybe- uh, that is a that is a gross misconception. I'm sorry. Of, of my who was the who was the uh, author yeah, of the Fitwer musical? Once you did want to put on the Fitwer musical. I, I'm a liar. Um, we all love musicals. Okay, I'll put it that way. Is Annette a great musical? Is it an interesting musical? Is it an unsuccessful musical? Is it the anti musical? <laughs> what is Annette, Katie? Oh, boy. I would say it's interesting for sure. Like it is a I think it's more of an opera than a musical. It's trying to deal in like big kind of like sweeping emotions more so than telling a proper story. Um, and like, you know, uh, Marion Cotillard is an opera singer. So it's kind of like right there on the surface. So like you've got this romance that's based on these two people singing we love each other so much, and that's kind of the extent of the relationship that you learn about. Um, and I think that works more strongly in the second half when kind of the big emotions are based on things that we've actually seen happen in the movie and based on the relationship with this child, Annette, who we'll certainly talk about. Um, it's a very unpleasant musical, I found, um, and deliberately so. You know, Adam Driver is playing the stand-up comedian whose act is entirely based on, like, alienating the audience, basically, and it gets more and more alienating as it goes on. And I recognize that it's supposed to be unpleasant, and yet I hated watching it and wanted it to be over as quickly as possible. And I don't think that means the movie is unsuccessful, but it doesn't mean I like it. And that's, I like find myself stuck in those positions sometimes where it's like I, I get that the movie is working, but I still don't have to like it for that. Uh, and that was where I landed on a lot of a net. Dave, what do you think? Bad time at the movies, but good bad time at the movies or good time <laughs> at the movies. Good, good, good time. Annette is a possibly genius movie if it was maybe an hour shorter. I uh, love this theory. I'm dying to hear you explain this. Because it spends a lot of time at the beginning setting the baseline for these characters. But like Katie mentioned, sort of 
were intentionally not given much about their romance. And then Patches, like you mentioned, because it's a straight opera, people are just singing what they feel. So I feel like we could have done a lot of quick character stuff at the beginning to get to the plot of Annette, which is, can I talk about it? It happens halfway through the movie. I think we're going to go, we should go full spoilers in this because there's just so much to it. And I think broad stroke critical conversation but about Annette is pretty pointless. So, we yes. deliberately waited until it was available on Amazon Prime Video. Absolutely. Okay, okay. so here we go. So until he murders her, lets her die on the boat or whatever. You think he uh, murders her? His Anne, uh, Marion Cotillard's character? I think it's manslaughter. I, I would say it's, it's definitely manslaughter. I mean, they're dancing and she falls into the ocean. Yes. yes. Uh, and um, But it comes off a little more man like murdery because she's having dreams of him being a violent predator there's a whole like me too musical number where women are calling him out for being an awful man yes which i feel is laying groundwork for the end of the movie which is fucking genius uh which sort of flips uh the perspective and sort of makes both the parents selfish i think halfway through this movie it changes from a like weird uh musical that like is sort of being ironic or like trying to be funny in very broad ways like misogynist uh, comedian you know is able to you know maybe keep that off stage but it sort of like leaks through his weird personality stuff that i'm not interested in i am super interested in woman possesses her daughter's singing voice and the daughter's a puppet and adam driver has to like cope with that and then the uh, and then the the conductor comes back and is actually like important in the story. All of that is great, and so I'm loving it. I think it's hilarious. It builds and builds and builds to the Hyper Bowl halftime show, and my daddy murders people, which I was just I laughed out loud like so hard. <laughs> like I love that the movie gets there, and then I thought that you know it was going to go through the trial. I'm like, great, this movie's great. It's a musical about toxic masculinity, and then the real Annette shows up. And that entire scene recontextualizes the whole movie, and it's fantastic. Where she's basically recontextualizes like, it. How? What? I mean, this is one question I wanted amazing. to ask you guys, which was, what do you think Annette is ultimately about? I mean, I guess to answer my own question first, and I want to see if I'm on the same page as you, is that it's it's about just like this simmering toxicity. Like, what is 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 this guy noble on some level, speaking truth? To power and cutting through bullshit or is he is he a toxic entity is, is like what i don't know what what do you think that the old movie's ultimately saying about adam driver's character who I, i'm with goes to jail i'm with annette at the end and what i think what she's saying if i get from her last song is that uh things were are always happening to adam driver's character in the same way that when her mom used her as a uh, tool of revenge, her mom also stopped thinking about Annette and started thinking about things happening to the mom. And so they both used Annette to have like this fight with each other and they both completely lost track of why they were actually doing it. And so when, you know, he asks, can't I love you? And she's like, no, you really can't. It's because he never did. Annette was a thing in his life that, he used this as a justification for his bad choices, but his bad choices was always choosing to stay in the abyss himself at the end. And, and her mother did the same thing where the abyss swallowed her 
through a murder, but either way, also abandoned Annette and then made her like this revenge ghost. It's fucked up. It's why, right. why you, you shouldn't make she... your uh, child a star. You know <laughs> yeah. how I feel about child stardom, and Annette is right there with me. That's yeah. true. Don't, do, not don't do it. Don't do, do it. Do you think that Annette is a doll when she's being possessed by Anne? Is that the implication there that she is finally like released of her mom's control or like her mom's legacy is a form of, of toxic li- behavior? That seems too literal to me. Like I think the doll. Can, I think like, there's a lot of her. literal stuff in this movie because it's so operatic. Yeah, the, the, Anne's the moon. Uh, the the Adam Driver is a monkey, and the doll is the not real Annette. But as soon as Annette becomes real, the doll and the monkey get left behind just with the moon, because she's like, "I'm gonna live in a world of darkness and like live a lie." And it's terrifying. But she's it's I love seeing a little girl just serve her parents the same way that I I would have liked to yell at them at various times during the movie. It it's it's an amazing performance. Yeah, that little girl's amazing. Uh, so I think, somewhat oh, disproving yeah. the theory that you shouldn't let kids act because she's great, but you still shouldn't let kids act. She gets a great close-up. Well, let them act for one great scene. Yeah. yeah. That's key. I hope she goes back to her regular life, and uh, if she wants to pursue acting once she's an adult, she's welcome to. Like, imagine if Room was Jacob Tremblay, but as a doll for most of the time, and then when he rolls out of the truck and runs, it's Jacob Tremblay. That's what we should have seen. It's kind of amazing. Like the effect <laughs> of the real Annette showing up is intense. Like there is, there are a few things in movies that can kind of surprise and grab you in that way. I'm, like, I'm glad that you were on board and you could feel that rush in, at yeah. the end of this movie. I think the end of the movie say, is stronger, the as Dave was saying. hour pounds away. Like it is hard. Yeah. Um, well, because um, the, the movie opens with that may we start number that's like meta and it's the actors like walking down the street and they're in their street clothes and like, and then it ends in a similar way too with everyone kind of like walking and like the idea of like this company of players like putting on this story for Did you. Did you stay I love through the credits? That energy. Yeah. Yeah. You got to stay through the credits. Great credit sequence. Yeah. Uh, and like I, there's some of that energy throughout of being like, you know, it's obviously very stylized and heightened and surreal in a lot of places and the idea that like they're putting on a show for you. But I feel like that energy really gets lost and a lot of it like being dragged down by adam driver's awful person character who i didn't want to spend any time with and i find that really hard to get past to see through what the movie's doing i mean we're gonna they're gonna be more musics about toxic masculinity before they're less unfortunately I, th- I think, yes. Like, I'm, I'm not saying you need to make the to- toxic male character more likable, but there is a way of feeling trapped with that character that I found really hard mm. to get past. I do think that um, I get the impetus to make him a stand-up comedian, but I do think, A, that's a bad thing to do in movies in general, because what you're saying is, I'm going to be funny. So if, you, if you're going to show people in the movie stand-up comedy... It's like if yeah, you had but that this talent, movie, you'd probably be a stand. Right. Yeah, but this movie does not attempt to be funny. That yeah, he's tale, not funny. No, no, well, first of all, he's not funny, but the movie's hilarious all the way through. I think this oh. is pretty much a comedy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's taking absolute delight in weird scenarios, weird musical numbers, just like weird graphic images. The whole movie is giddy in the same way that I think Holy Motors is, where it's just like, mm. let's delight in the power of image and the power of of cinematic spectacle i um, wish but I'm, I felt I'm that saying, giddiness and more of it well the the yeah and the and the first again the first 40 minutes or to an hour are Just, the opera stuff unless you like opera i think the first hour is pretty tough um, well even if you like the Marion opera, Cotillard stuff is not that 
fun either. Right. It's no, making she's not fun a of character. opera. It's making fun of opera while it's happening. He's like, all you do is die. And then before I knew she was going to die, I'm like, this, what are you doing? You're like, you're in this form. I mean, luckily he goes down on her while singing a song and that is great. So uh, that happened. That got way overblown. That definitely got way overblown. It's not nearly as interesting as the people who reported that he sings a song into her vagina should be put in jail. He does. No, he does not. He does not. He lifts his head up. He stops performing cunnilingus and sings his song. And then he goes back down. So I would say he does not sing into her. vagina. He takes a break. He sings near her vagina. A sequence I really like that also involves that uh, we're so in love stories where we learn it was the conductor guy who actually wrote it and there was a whole affair and he's mm-hmm. trying to like tell us. I love the his scenes in the movie. Yes. And he's trying to also conduct the orchestra. So everything's musically timed. So he has a monologue and then he gets to an emotional part. He's like, well, excuse me. And then has to conduct a part and we swing back around to the start yeah. of the shot all over again. No, when you swing back around to him, like the energy that comes when you swing back around, the, around to his part of the story, like I, that lightness and that kind of like sense of what was it that you said? Like, not like frolicking, but just like awe of being able to make the movie. Like it does pop up here and there. And the Simon Helberg character does. I mean, and you know, his fight scene with Adam Driver by the pool, like it's dramatic and like sad, but it has that kind of uh, wonder to it. Mm-hmm. And then he shows up there. My daddy murders people. The hyper bowl. God. So such, so, so many good choices. Once that puppet shows up. Well, Katie, that's what I wanted to ask you. What, um, after you got through the, the first hour, you survived it. Were there, images were there moments that still struck you besides the ending which seems to transcend no matter how long the journey takes i'm wondering if there's anything that even sticks in your memory about annette are there images or are there are there moments that actually feel like it's working for you I think the part, the scene at the end with the real Annette, and then right before that where Adam Driver I think is like in a courtroom and he's kind of like singing to the fates about what's happened to him I think are really mm. powerful there's scenes where like like the press is like a Greek chorus kind of like following him on a perp walk um, before that. Like, like all his like downfall stuff, I think. I like that they really use good. the same actors. Um, you know, the, the actors show up in the audience and then the mm-hmm. actors show up as the doctors when Marion Cotillard is giving birth, yeah. which uh, my wife Michelle turned to me and she's like, holy shit, this is the worst thing that I've ever seen. Or like, not, not that the, mo- <laughs> the quality of the movie was bad. She was just like, imagine if a bunch of people were singing at you while you were giving birth to a baby. Yeah, Could there be you, a keep worse? Tell- keep laughing. Keep telling you to breathe. Laugh. Keep laugh. telling you to laugh. So uh, crazy. Nope. Not funny. No, thank you. Did um, you no, know it's funny? There's a lot. Sorry. When I, I say that I hate this movie, I like mostly mean the other Trifer character. And I... I acknowledge that what he is doing is a good performance while wanting to get as far away from it as possible. But I do feel like that sense of like energy and going off on this, you know, filmmaking thing together, like was more present in Holy Motors. Like there was like a lightness to that, that doesn't feel as present to me in a net, partly because the like out of driver character is unpleasant and the romance is so flat and you're just kind of like are squirming to get out of it. I think once you do, it gets better. Yeah. Once you get to the murder, things really pick up. <laughs> Should have started the movie with a murder. Just one sequence a where Adam's like, her, her stand-up bit should have just been like, I'm a bad person. I grew up <laughs> here and I did this and I'm still a bad person. And just like lean into that. And then we just see it once. It's like, that's who that character is. Great, move on. But yeah, I think there's there's a world where Annette like really sings and it's a world where all of that is shortened because it doesn't but work. But Annette does sing. Annette Have you heard sings her voice? A lot. Ah, she has a yeah. beautiful voice. That's true. Only when she sees the moon. Did we love the Annette puppet? Yes. 
Uh, oh, yes. Very unsettled by the enough of it. That it is, is terrifying. <laughs> Up until the end scene, I'm like, would I have liked this better as a play? Because I definitely would have given it an hour and been bored and been fine because that happens with lots of plays. I think the strangest thing about the movie for me is it feels like it's based on a play, that it has adapted something that exists and it's like turning, it almost reminds me of Joe Wright's Anna Karenina or something where Hmm. artifice is part of it in order to adapt material in a more modern way. Yeah. Um, But there's no source material here that this is, this is the beginning of the construction. So you create artifice to separate what exactly to separate the human emotion that is so raw and obvious. uh, And then you enliven it with artifice. I, I, I find that quite fascinating. Yeah, and it's much more grounded in the sense that it's not doing anything filmic, really. Like, even the hyperbole, the angles we get on it could be staged if you have, you know, some level of complexity. But, like, even moments that it could be filmic, like when they go out on a boat, we get one shot of an actual boat and then nonsense rear projection that just gives you an idea of storm because it's it doesn't want to commit to that reality for you it, it wants to save that gut punch for the last scene mm-hmm, mm-hmm. although it's really smart the scope of this movie <laughs> i don't know man it's a, a true art film and i was like wow the, what is the budget they they clearly shot in different places <laughs> like at least shot plates and went to yeah, japan or went to mexico and stuff and they're just like this is a big movie it feels like a big movie and it's to be so weird um it's such a pleasure i i this is the first time i've watched something at home almost throughout the whole pandemic where i was like ah shit i wish i had seen this on a big screen and been trapped with this movie a little more <laughs> um i was pretty absorbed but uh, I also watched this movie during uh, not Hurricane, Tropical Storm, Henry, uh, appropriate Henry? Uh, during a Leo Krah film. And uh, my power went out halfway through. So that was a dramatic, it like clicked off while Adam Driver was wailing or something. And uh, then I had to pick up <laughs> with it second half. It was right before Marion Cotillard died. Um, pretty, pretty wild. But... I watched this in chunks, partly because I was just like trying to watch it while doing other things. I was just like, I can't handle this. I definitely recommend full like, immersion. <laughs> Yeah, and it can happen in your house. I don't think you have to like run out to go see this in a theater, but it's uh, it's not something you can background watch. I'll give it that. Yeah, well, it's a, you could maybe background listen to it and for the, for the first hour, and then come back in the living room for the the second hour. I recommend listening to Patches singing it to you. That's the that's the way Leo Carrad wanted it to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when are these? I can't wait for karaoke to come back so that I can start performing. So may we start. <laughs> To all my friends. That's going to be the one you perform? Uh, I I read an interesting article on Decider from our colleague Charles Bromesco, and it kind of helped me. It kind of clicked things for me a bit, which is like, oh, yeah, maybe this is like Jesus Christ Superstar. Maybe it is that like mythological and cosmic and and biblical, um, but basically an Andrew Lloyd Webber rock musical. Um, And it is the closest comparison as I was kind of like flailing to just find ground to stand on after watching this movie. I'm just like, Oh yeah, Uh, this movie does exist. It's not a weird foreign entity that is experimental. I think this is just like classical operatic or rock opera filmmaking. um, And it just is playing in, in modern times. I think this would make a lot more sense if it was set in like 
ancient biblical times or ancient Egypt or something, but it's set in celebrity culture. <laughs> I just the, the asides where they are they're singing kinda, about them in like I, magazines, yeah, yeah. tabloid world is hilarious. Their I kind of like that show looks like it sucks. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that because it's like even when the movie the movie starts, if but correct me if I'm wrong, but with the director and his daughter uh-huh. starting a song, right? Yeah. So I kind of like that whole meta level of like being watched. And I also think it makes Adam Driver a worse person mm. if he's being watched and he's a character and he can't get out of either of those things. Adam Driver's character, to be clear, not Adam Driver personally. Being Correct. Person not Adam Driver. I do, although several times in this movie, I was watching Adam Driver thinking, what is real Adam Driver thinking when he's like doing this sort of thing? It's like, well, another day we're in the bathrobe on the stage with everybody, you know, laughing along to a soundtrack. I saw that Adam Driver thanks uh, Chris Rock and Bill Burr mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, uh, which I find fascinating. I, I have not read about that. Have you read about it, Katie? Did mm-hmm. he like consult with them to be able to scream at people? Uh, How do you swing the microphone around without hitting? I, yeah, something? I was about to say. <laughs> he does but, a good job with that. He really does. I mean, it's it's like ribbon dancing out there with his microphone. Um, yeah, I was, you know, it was such a roller coaster ride watching Annette, knowing that people on this podcast uh, did not care for it and feeling off put by by the beginning and then all of a sudden when marion cotillard died it really switched gears for me i was just like oh i needed this world building or something i needed this pent-up emotion to kind of let the Uh, whole movie rip i think the movie just got there i don't think you needed it that's because your power came back on that's why it changed yeah maybe that was it it literally the television came back on and i was like well i'm gonna finish this um (laughs) okay we finish this now (laughs) Don't watch me. <laughs> Don't watch me. Don't listen to this podcast. Don't do. And but leave see, a five-star d- review. Even if you've gotten all the way to the end here and haven't seen Annette for some reason, you should, you should see Annette. It's on Amazon yeah. Prime right now. I, I, would, I would say it is worth watching, even if I... Like I like I watched a couple weeks ago and I could not bring myself to rewatch it to to the segment. <laughs> I was just like, I don't want to live in that world again. So Good for you, Simon stream. Helber. Oh, yeah. Huge step up. All these big bank theory people, uh, having Kaylee Cuoco really uh, getting something good going. Hey. Um, that does it for this week's show. Uh, next week, I got to pick a vintage movie to make everybody watch because we're not uh, either not able to or not inspired by what's out there. So I looked at HBO Max and I'm going to pick the Christopher Guest movie for your consideration, which I have never seen. Really? Yeah. It feels very uh, uh, relevant to my interests. And also Jennifer Coolidge is having a moment. Catherine O'Hara is having I a moment. can't wait to revisit this movie that was not well received. Not well time. received, not no. well remembered. But I feel like I'm, I'm guessing that there's going to be some pearls in there. That we but there was actual Oscar talk for, I don't remember uh, if I for even Catherine saw O'Hara. But, in yeah. It. Yeah. Did I see uh, it? Did I see clips of it? Oh, man. Let's find out. Yeah, I think uh, I think the time has come. So let's all watch for a consideration. Creek. This is going to be awesome. Exactly. Post White Lotus. I assume Jennifer, yeah, Jennifer Coolidge is in this. She must be. Uh, I have no idea, but bring it on. I guess this is another way to find out. Okay, so we'll watch that. <laughs> we'll watch it to see if Jennifer Coolidge is in it. There's no actual <laughs> no way, to, way. <laughs> to tell or know if she is. Yeah. <laughs> I can look this up on IMDb while you guys tell the people who you are. IMDb what? <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I'm Matt Patches, senior editor at 
Polygon. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And we mentioned many old episodes of Fighting in the War, our Green Knight episode not too long ago, our uh, Holy Motors episode that may exist, we think, uh, somewhere in the back catalog. You can actually listen to most of those episodes Fighting in the War Room com or you can dig up i believe there's like even a fitware volume one collection on on iTunes and volume two podcasts uh yeah there's lots of podcasts to listen to to go back and uh so go back to them and, and tell your friends it's time to get on the fitware train time to get tell your friends it's time to get on a train the oh, fitware train. train uh i'm dave gonzalez you could uh, follow me on twitter at da7e uh you can listen to me on the storm lost rewatch podcast it's the end week so we are done with Lost. Uh, and wow. Then, we're wow. going to be doing a whole September of uh, post-Lost bonus content. Uh, so we're not off Lost yet, but it's been quite a journey. Uh, it, Congratulations. It, thank you. It, yeah, we did We did it. Um, and then also, you could leave us this show a review uh, on iTunes, We would or the podcasts app, Apple Podcasts app. Uh, if you leave us a review, we will read it live on air. Uh, David will usually. Uh, if you don't, uh, David and I get to talk about Galaxy of Heroes. It's a mobile game about Star Wars. Lots of exciting things are happening there, so do what you want there. <clears throat> and then also, Patches, don't you have a podcast you produce? I do. It's called Galaxy Brains with Dave Schilling and Jonah Ray of Mystery Science Theater 3000. And this week on the podcast, Kumail Nanjiani of the Turtles is going to be on the podcast talking about Idiocracy, a Mike Judge movie. Remember, he worked with Mike Judge on Silicon Valley. Whoa, so many connections. Uh, I think that's going to be a really fun time. So Marvel's Kingo on Galaxy Brains this yeah. week. Uh, well, I'm Katie Rich. I You can find me at Vanity Fair uh, on the Little Gold Men podcast, which I can promote because this week we're doing a book club segment on the power of the dog, which Jane Campion is turning into a movie that's going to be at festivals. I haven't seen the movie, but I read the book. Um, I have another podcast I can promote, which is Love is a Crime, which is a Vanity Fair co-production with Vanessa Hope and Karina Longworth. You must remember this. It's really good. Hollywood history. A film noir twist. Lots of good stuff to see there. I have more important news to share, which is that Jennifer Coolidge is in for your consideration. Hey! As, as is Annette star Simon Helberg. So, hey, that's everyone, hilarious. <laughs> everyone look out for that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And we're all on Twitter at F-I-T-W-R, where you can share your favorite cast member for your consideration. Or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was... In honor of Candyman, what movie character would you summon by saying their name while looking in the mirror? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Godzilla, Godzilla, Godzilla. I'm done.